Welcome everyone to Satsang. <clears throat> I'd like to begin by quoting my guru, Baba Muktananda, who said at the beginning of every program in Hindi, Sabko Varasanmane Kesat Premse Hardik Swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And the essence of spirituality, the essence of every program we do is to find that place of love within. Sometimes we get caught in anger, we get caught in self-righteousness, and we're not very responsible with those feelings. We dump those feelings in every direction. Uh, and because of that, it comes back on us and we fry from those feelings. And our heart becomes dry and our heart becomes, goes into pain and if we live our life intelligently, then we learn how to spread only love. And that's what Baba stood for, and that's what he talked about. <clears throat> and um, because this is a weekend of love, we're having a special event tomorrow with the wedding of Sharda and Rishi. <clears throat> You're all invited. You want to know how a wedding really should go. <laughs> so, I, so in honor of that, because uh, in these programs, I always draw on the teachings of the great beings. A discovery, I made, a discovery I made in 1970 was that there were great beings alive on the planet right now, not just uh, when Jesus... Uh, was around or the Buddha was around, but right now there were great beings, people who had attained the ultimate, called different things in different traditions, self-realization, enlightenment, satori, samadhi, there are many names for it, but it means they've attained a connection with something very deep within, beyond the super, beyond the solid, vital, and peculiar, something deeper than all of that. <clears throat> and. Uh, it was a great discovery for me because I thought, well, if there are these people who have, are filled with wisdom, who know how to live, who know the secret of happiness, the secret of inner peace and joy, I want to meet one and study with them. And so I was lucky and I found one. <clears throat> but since then I've been celebrating these great beings and these programs. Of course, my favorite one is my own guru. Baba Muktananda. So tonight, uh, some question and answers from his Western tours. Baba died in 1982, and before that, he'd been he made three world tours. And uh, the questions and answers that that he gave during those times were very, very interesting. And first, let's look at him. This is Baba, this, I recognize this. This is Sydney, Australia, 1974. And I'm right there, off camera. But I remember, I remember the seat, 1974. That was his second world tour, which I traveled with him on. Next. This is uh, probably a little later, Baba giving a lecture. Um, probably singing a, a poem, one of the poet saints. Next. 
I recognize this too. This is Tasmania. When we were here in 74, we went to Tasmania for, for a week. And uh, that was probably, yeah. So there. That's it, right? <clears throat> okay, so here are some uh, question answers from Baba during his second and third world tour. Uh, first, a little autobiographical thing. Occasionally, he, he gave you little snippets about his youth. Uh, he left home at the age of 15 because he was so desirous of walking the path and finding uh, the truth, finding the self, that he left home. He says, <clears throat> when I was young and full of energy, hardship did not feel like hardship. There was only one thing that filled my mind. How will I find God? Who will show God to me? There was nothing else I was concerned about. I didn't care whether I lived or died or how I would get food or drink. I would keep walking throughout the day. And wherever I was, when the sun set, I would lie down and sleep. <laughs> if anybody invited me for tea or some food, I would accept and then resume my walking. They say he traveled all over India during those years. <clears throat> Whichever saint I encountered, I would spend some time with him for a while. If I lost interest in him, I would push on. <clears throat> all this time, I kept chanting my mantra inside, saying, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, inside, intensely. I did this walking yoga a great deal, walking and repeating my mantra. I was fond of long, long walks. The truck drivers used to feed me often. They would see me walking on the road <clears throat> and stop their trucks and ask me, have you eaten anything? And then they would offer me food. In those days, nobody minded giving away a couple of chapatis. Food was very cheap. This is how I moved from place to place and I met many saints. At that time, there were, there were highly evolved beings in India, at least 60 of them, and I met them all. And one more autobiographical thing. He says, once I went to meet Ananda Mai Ma in Bombay. At that time, I was staying at a devotee's house near the ocean, and she was staying nearby. This is probably years later. Uh, Bobby used to, in my time too, we, the ashram was uh, two or three hours outside of uh, Bombay, Mumbai now, um, and he had devotees in the town and they would often invite him once a year or so. He'd go in and do a couple of weeks of programs in somebody's apartment there. And so uh, that's probably what he was doing. Ananda Maima is... Uh, was one of India's greatest saints. Uh, I had the good fortune of meeting her. She's passed away many years ago now, but she was uh, Indira Gandhi's uh, guru and a uh, very famous saint. <clears throat> anyway, he says, she was uh, staying at a devotee's house. Uh, in the morning, I would take a walk on the beach, she says, Baba says. Somebody came up and told me that Ananda Mai Ma was there. Immediately, I went to her house. There were some people there, and they said, hey, look here, you can't go there. I said, oh, shut up. <laughs> and I went inside. He probably wasn't that rude, but all right. 
She had just washed her hair. It was wet, and she was drying it. She ran to get a cloth and spread it on a chair and said, Babaji, please sit down. When she, when she gave me a piece, then she gave me a piece of fruit, and we talked. I have a lot of love for her. She's a great saint. She was alive, obviously, then. I'm telling you, even now, there's a great woman saint. She's very, very old now. After we talked for a while, I left. So that's how, she's the first saint I met in, in India. <clears throat> Another question. Actually, a question, first question. What do you mean when you say God dwells within the heart. Do you mean a certain physical or subtle space inside us, or that we must approach the self through love? Baba always said, God dwells within you as you. He said, the divine principle is within us. The conscious principle that makes us conscious is the same as the divine principle. And we can find that principle within. Baba says, through right understanding and love, you can approach the self. The self is another word he had for that divine principle, the true self. We think we know who we are, uh, but we usually know who we are in a very superficial manner, who we are uh, by our beliefs or our uh, birth or our religion or, or our political affiliation and so on. But behind all of those identi identifications, there's a deeper truth, and that's the true self. So he says, through right understanding and love, you can find that self. There's a specific space inside the heart, and it is divine. Right in this space, there is a light, which is the size of the thumb, and that is consciousness. The, Scriptures always talk about the thumb-sized purusha in the heart, the size of a thumb, like that, in the heart. It's always interesting. They all talk about that. <clears throat> but that's the, when you go inside, you find that space inside, the space of consciousness. If you ask yourself, who am I? What is, you know yourself as a conscious being. I am conscious. What does that mean, to be conscious, to be aware, to be self-aware and aware of everything? It's quite a mystery. And yet it's the conscious principle that defines a human being. So he says there's a specific space. Baba says consciousness pervades from head to toe. It pervades everywhere. No place is without consciousness. Everything is made of consciousness. And this is the teaching of Advaita Vedanta and of Kashmir Shaivism, that consciousness is the first principle. <clears throat> and I could prove it to you. I, I've always threatened to do that, but I never do. <clears throat> he says, the scientists know this very well, although they speak of energy rather than consciousness. So, like Einstein, E equals mc squared. Uh, Einstein's idea was that in matter, there's energy hidden, locked in it. And if, if you use a certain process, you can use it to blow up and kill many people. Very useful, a very useful trick. Um, 
but but it, the idea is that there's that there's matter and there's energy. But Baba says there's another another aspect. He goes. <clears throat> The scientists, though they speak of energy rather than consciousness, whatever you give them, they can turn into energy. Whether you give them iron, copper, stones, they can put them through a process and change them into energy. In the same way, the Vedantic philosophers consider everything consciousness. Consciousness exists everywhere in all beings, but specifically, it lives in the heart. So the point, the point that's made there, it's called uh, more and more scientists are adopting this point of view. I think they call it panpsychism, possibly. Uh, but that just as matter is intrinsic and just as energy is intrinsic, so consciousness is intrinsic. So that consciousness is threaded through everything, just as there's energy through everything. This is the, uh, the teaching uh, of Vedanta, that everything is has consciousness as its at, at its core. Question: The kingdom of God is within. How does one find it? That's a very good question on uh, meditation. <clears throat> Baba, of course, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within, didn't he? Um, Baba, through meditation you can find it. It is true that the kingdom of God is within. Whoever saw anything saw it inside his own heart, not outside. By that he doesn't mean you saw a, a nice scene. He means you saw the spiritual truth. You had to look within to find that spiritual truth. Only after seeing that inside the heart was he able to see that outside also. There was a great saint named Mansur Mastana, a great Sufi being. Sufism is, of course, the, uh, the mystical side of Islam. And so uh, Mansur Mastana was a, a mystic uh, 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 Sufi uh, saint. Always he used to say, Anal Haq, Anal Haq. I am God, I am God. <clears throat> People who were spiritually blind hanged him saying he committed a crime. Of course, that would be blasphemy uh, in conventional Islamic circles to say, I am God. But mystic makes that statement. Even while he's being hanged, he still, he said, Anal Haq, I am God. <clears throat> I would recommend that he just keep quiet. <laughs> but, you know, if you can't shut your mouth and be hanged and say, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he said, and this is very beautiful, he said, you can tear down a mosque, a temple, a church, you can break all those things, but never break anyone's heart, because the human heart is the real shrine of God. That is where he dwells. Beautiful statement, isn't it? That the, the church, the ashram, the temple, all are buildings, but the real temple is the human heart. That's where the real divinity lives. Baba says, so never break anyone's heart. In a temple, there's an idol. 
Like a Hindu temple, there's a statue of whatever form of God they worship. Uh, in a mosque, there's only void, emptiness, because they don't have images, so there's emptiness there. But God dwells in the human heart. That is the real shrine of God. The light of God is shimmering there. It is scintillating and vibrating all the time. Through meditation, you can find this. And when the inner shakti is unfolded, you get it. It is there for you to find. It is completely yours. Through meditation, you awaken the inner energy, the meditative energy, the kundalini energy. And as that grows inside you, you connect with this place inside. Beautiful. Baba used to always say that his real religion was welcoming other people with love because people were divine, because divinity dwells within every person. What a great vision, and how far it is from the way we look at things in the world, through hatred, through paranoia, through judgment, through harshness. But the great saints say that every person has divinity within, and we should find the divinity within ourselves, and then we'll see that divinity outside. Question, could you reveal some secret about penetrating one's heart? Baba, that's what meditation is for. Shaktipat and meditation are meant precisely for penetrating the heart. You go within, so the first step in meditation, the first step in knowing the mystical truth, the deep truth, is to turn your awareness within. We spend so much time out here, gossip, gossip, what's he doing, what's they doing? Am I getting more than that person or less than that person? And we get, we're obsessed by externals. So the, it begins when we turn within and focus inside. He says, you go within, you focus your mind and lead it towards the heart. It's something very great if you can enter the heart. It is the most important center. There is no other center that can compare to the heart. <clears throat> so the sages say that we are in a very strange predicament. The world attracts us in so many ways. We're fascinated by the world. And also now, more than ever, with all the media and the, uh, all the internet, social media, all that stuff, uh, we're just fascinated by externals, when all the time they say that by turning within, we can find that treasure. We can find that love within. We can find that peace and contentment within ourselves through meditation. But I, I also have to say that meditation has grown immensely over the time that, that I've been doing this. Uh, it's grown immensely. Many, many people meditate. People understand something about meditation. They see the, the benefits of meditation. Question. <clears throat> How can one learn to love? Baba, I'm sure you love various things in your worldly life. Doesn't one love oneself? A person wears beautiful clothes, jewelry, and so on. Is this not taking refuge in love? We love uh, our footy team, too. Did we lose tonight? 
Oh, sad. <laughs> but at least uh, I was afraid that there would be a Carlton Collingwood final, <laughs> and that it would split the ashram the way America is split in two between two warring factions. So the ashram would be split in two. Now we can all pull for Collingwood. <laughs> we'll, cont we'll contemplate it. <clears throat> People love one another as well. Sometimes this love is true, and sometimes it's false. If one wants to love truly, one must meditate a lot. <clears throat> In the body, there's a special place of love, and one must attain this place. When we attain this place, we experience love all around, only love. Hate disappears. In order to love, one must think about love, one must deeply contemplate love. One must create a bond of friendship with love. <clears throat> think about love and not hate. And we think about moving towards love and away from hatred and paranoia. No, you like these questions on love? Special for the weekend, no? Uh, let's see. Question, if one turns within in hopes of finding love on the, on the outside, can that be detrimental to turning within? So you, you, want, you want to find a love, you want to find a partner, uh, but you're turning within to find it, is that wrong? If so, how does one turn within and let go of still wanting love and other things on the outside? So outer love and inner love, what's Baba going to say? He says, if you find love within yourself, you don't have to let go of your feelings of wanting love from outside. When you attain love from within, that inner and outer love merge into each other. They become one in reality. Once you attain inner love, the same love will pulsate in all your various actions, and you'll see it outside too. Our little pup, Gopal, has love within himself, and he looks around, he loves everybody. <coughs> Perfect love. Of course, as, we, as he grows up, we'll be cruel to him and <laughs> brutalize him, and he'll be contracted and paranoid, and he'll lose that love. <laughs> Every, he says, all religions, all actions, all names and forms exist in that love. Everything pulsates in that bliss, in that love. If you attain that love first from within, you don't have to wonder what to do. So find that inner love, and then, then the whole world will be an ocean of love for you. <clears throat> Let's see. Okay, here's a good one. Question, how do you hold the pain that comes from the loss of love? Baba, you can't be, you can't be a good lover unless you've had your heart broken. Some scriptures say 17 times. <laughs> Some say just once. But you must suffer 
one of my colleagues used to say, the wound of love, because it makes you uh, more profound. That's why we love the blues, because it comes from the pain of loss. So heartbreak, when people come and say, my heart is broken, I say, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. You're going to be a deeper, more beautiful person now. Baba says, <laughs> love is something that exists inside all the time. It is constant. You'll never lose your love. Even if you think you've lost your love, you can attain it once again in the heart. If love is lost because you lost a person, because you lost that loving event, it was not true love. It was merely an illusion of love. That's a bit harsh. I would say that, that all the loves we have, the external loves we have, are just ways of entry into the deep love that, we, that is always there, and that that love is always there. And that when we go through heartbreak and loss, our heart is hurt by that. But if we meditate, we contemplate, we can refine it because the, the essence of that is never hurt. The essence of love is never depleted or ever lost. We become temporarily contracted because of some pain that we have. He says, the nature of true love is existence, consciousness, and bliss. Satchitananda, which is the nature of God. It is always there. It is always shining inside. The person that you love may go away, but love is always going to be there inside. Love is something that always resides in the heart. So even if you are brokenhearted, remember that the love is still there. You just have to find it again. So let's see. I'll do one more. Okay, one more. It's on meditation. <clears throat> so, question. You tell us to meditate on your own self. I don't understand how to. Baba, do you remember to meditate on your body, on your children, on your family? In the same way, it should not be so difficult to meditate on the self. We're always meditating on something. So meditate on the self in the same way. <clears throat> Keep meditating, and your meditation will reach the place of the self. That's a really good principle. People will go to Baba and say, oh, I can't control my mind. I don't know how to do it. Baba say, just sit. Sit there and shut up. Every day, meditate for 15, half hour. Every day, make it a case. And meditation itself will teach you. You'll gradually learn. We want it all in a second, you know. But uh, you just do it every day, and gradually you'll learn how to navigate the inner space. It took many centuries for humanity to conquer the external space to the extent that it's conquered. Of course, it hasn't conquered it perfectly, has it? Otherwise, we'd all be living forever and be healthy all the time, and there'd be world peace and... Uh, everything. Uh, so we haven't conquered it completely, but we've done a good job. But to conquer the inner space takes a long time also. Uh, we have to work on it. <clears throat> he says, when you're meditating, look within. So many thoughts arise and subside. Now, here are some practical tips. When you look within, you notice 
So many thoughts arise and subside, arise and subside. Try to understand the place from which they arise and into which they subside. She's already radical because when a thought arises in our mind, normally we just act on that thought. Or we, you know, we, we come within that thought. But in meditation, you don't do that. You notice that a thought has arisen. You don't listen to it. You see, where does it come from? You look where the source of it is. It says, you know, I want uh, an orange airplane. You say, that's nice. Where does that come from? <clears throat> There's a gap. Then he gives another one. So that's one thing. One way to meditate. See where thoughts come from and into which they go. Because every thought has a lifetime. It has a half-life. It comes up, hangs around for a minute, then it goes. If your thought's quite emotional, if there's a lot of attachment, it hangs around a long time. But if it's just a, an idle thought, it comes and it goes. Then there's another way. There's a gap between one thought and another. Have you ever thought about the stillness and stability that exists in the space between two thoughts? This is, I used to read this in all the yogic texts, the space between two thoughts. I said, what? Space between two thoughts. So that's the clear space of consciousness. Between the thought, nothing's being thought there. <clears throat> so of course, we don't take the time in our lives to think about it. That is the self. That is God. That is the truth. That is self-realization. To f try to find that space between two thoughts. Okay, that may be too hard. Here's another one. <clears throat> if you kind of contemplate that space, start repeating the mantra. Focusing your attention there. Our mantra is Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. As you repeat the name, the mind will stop and you'll attain the state of stability. Then you will understand the self. Meditation on the self is very easy. He would recommend the mantra all the time. It's a very easy way to quiet the mind. Repeat Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. When I was in a terrible crisis, when I was in the ashram with him, he just came up to me and said, do the mantra all the time. And in a short order, I conquered that, that particular demon. Another one. There's another technique, and that is to contemplate the space from which the breath arises and into which it subsides. The space between two breaths is also known as the hamsa mantra. And many techniques, many, many paths, Buddhist paths, Christian paths, as well as the Hindu yoga, they watch the breath. They just put their focus on the breath. Breath comes in, breath goes out. And then particularly on the space between two breaths, that's the place of stability, he says. When the breath comes in, there's a space where it merges before going out again. When the prana comes in, the breath comes in, let it merge there. Try to understand where the breath merges. Before the breath goes out, try to understand that state where the breath has merged within. This state, this stability in between the breaths is consciousness, is the truth. 
So all those are possible meditations. What were they again? To see where thoughts come and go from. Also to witness thoughts, watch them from a distance. Don't get involved in the story they're telling. Just see how some thoughts are going on. It's analogous to watching a, a TV show. You know, you can get caught up in the story or you can just see images on the, on the screen and you don't even notice the story. So meditation is more like the latter. You don't get involved in the story it's telling you. And one is to look through the space between two breaths. Another is to say the mantra. Another is the space between two thoughts. And uh, if all of those sound too hard, the main thing is to actually meditate. Because meditation will teach you. Because you are a conscious being. And when you turn within, you turn towards the principle of consciousness, principle of awareness, which lives luminous within every person. And when you turn towards it, that consciousness will teach you everything you need to know. But you have to do it. You have to actually sit, focus within, and have the assurance that anything that the Buddha had, that Jesus had, that Bhagavan Nityananda had, that Sri Ramakrishna had, is also alive and well in you. We call those great saints, we call them spiritual giants, but that's also within every one of us. The only thing lacking is our desire to know that space, our dedication to that. It's called mumakchutta, the desire to know that space. That's because we're not serious. We're caught up in all kinds of other things. Of course, we don't have the understanding that if we knew that space, all these things in our lives would be solved. We don't have the right understanding. It's so critical to know that place within, that place of strength and peace and consciousness within. So let's meditate for 10 minutes. And there were so many things in Baba's talk tonight. Meditate on any of those things, or you can meditate on love. Principle of love. Look within. And there's love within. <laughs> Find that principle of love. There's peace within. There's chaos within. <clears throat> okay. So let's look within for 10 minutes. We'll meditate. If you've never meditated before, you can say the mantra to yourself. Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. And focus on the self. Everyone has the inner self. Everyone has consciousness within. So let's meditate now for 10 minutes. Once again, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. Sadhguru Maharaj Ki Jai.